Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Book of Alicia, where we talk about womanhood, motherhood, wifeyhood, and everything in between. I may not know everything, but I know some things, so we're going to talk about some things, okay? I am your host, Alicia, and I'm ready to dive into some things today. But first, let me start off by sharing with you ways you can connect with me on social media. You can follow me at the Book of Alicia on Instagram, as well as like my Facebook page, The Book of Alicia. You can also follow me on my blog at www.aliciashavon.com. That's www.aleshashevon.com, where you're able to get a glimpse of my life and thoughts, as well as purchase books I've authored and shirts I have available online. So are you guys ready for this episode? Let's get it in. Okay, you guys, so for the next several weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you conversations with awesome women of purpose. I was honored to have interviewed 21 of the 28 authors who were part of the 28-day devotional, The Purpose in My Pain, with a visionary author, Dr. Tamiko Hall. So I'm going to be doing something a little different for the next few episodes. I will share not one, but two conversations with the ladies of the devotional. So yes, you will be getting the pleasure of getting two interviews in one episode on the podcast. So stick around, y'all. Let's get it in. And we're back to the Discovering the Purpose in Our Pain series. I gave you guys a little bonus episode on Tuesday. And today we're back into regular flow of Discovering the Purpose in Our Pain for the next couple of weeks. So um, I'm going to be sharing with you my interview with two amazing authors we're going to be talking about their experience in their chapter in the anthology, one of which has not been a, has not is not a stranger to the Book of Alicia podcast. She is Robin Sample, but another Alisa Steely is new to the Book of Alicia um, podcast and she's sharing her story as well. And she's going to be talking about abuse. I think the theme of today's podcast is about um, overcoming abuse. So you guys sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. And I apologize in advance because we were having technical um, technical, technical difficulties with the internet connection during these interviews. So some of it was a little in and out and I tried to edit as much as I could without jeopardizing the actual interview. So please bear with me as you listen to these interviews um, and just get the gist of the message and um, ignore some of the technical difficulties. Okay, let's get it in. Okay, it's okay. Alicia Shaw from the book of Alicia. And today I have Alyssa Stilly today, who is also an author of The Purpose in My Pain, devotional with Dr. Tamika Hall as a visionary author. So as you guys know, we've been interviewing a lot of the women who was part of that um, project. And we're just having them introduce themselves, tell them about their story and the purpose in their pain. So today I'm going to have Alyssa introduce herself and share her story as well of the purpose in her pain. So um, Alyssa, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell the audience who you are. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Alisa Steely, and I am one of the authors, co-authors of the book and um, Discovering the Purpose in Your Pain. And um, it's I can say so far, it's been an exciting journey. Um, it's always um, scary to be transparent. Um, a lot of times we don't want to be transparent because, you know, we don't want anybody to quote unquote know our life. But the only way to actually make an impact in this world and in the earth, 
you have to share some of yourself. Now, I, I don't agree with sharing everything because some things you might still be uncomfortable with, but in order to, um, to say you wanna be a, 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 a purpose person in the earth and you wanna make change and you wanna help other people, you have to share something. You have to be able to relate to people and let them know that they're not alone. You know, you're not going through this by yourself. There's others out there that are battling what you battle, but there's victory at the end. You don't have to stay in the in the box of it, you know. Um, and when I was, uh, you know, we were given the assignments um, and pretty much allowed to flow and speak from, you know, the, that place of your pain. So um, I prayed about it and I um, meditated and like kind of went over some things and uh, even from the beginning of me starting to write many years ago, God was dealing with me about, I need you to talk about this area. I need you to talk about what abuse is. Um, a lot of people don't want to deal with abuse. They don't want to embrace that something happened to them or something was done to them. Um, and, and abuse can come in many different forms. It can, it can be mental, emotional, physical, even spiritual. There's, there's spiritual abuse that happens, you know, within the church or with, with um, it could be your spiritual mother, your spiritual father, you know, or, your, or just people that you walk with in, in Christ. And we don't always talk about it because I think a lot of times we are made to feel ashamed of what we went through. And, and then who's going to believe you? That's the biggest, you know, quote, who, who's going to believe that it happened to you? Because most of the time when you talk about the people that did it to you, there might be well-named people or they might be well, um, uh, highly esteemed people in the community or someone that someone really loves in the family. And most of the time it's, it's like that, well, if I say something, they're gonna feel like I'm trying to slaughter their name or I'm trying to um, attack them. And, and it's not true because it wasn't done to them. Predators, um, they don't go after everybody. That's, that's something I learned when someone, um, targets you to abuse you. They they pick you out. They scope you out. They size you up. Um, they sometimes coach you. They sometimes they get to know you <laughs> to see where your vulnerabilities are. You know what areas they can come in and attack you in. Um, so in my case, I was that person. I was that target person in my life um, in different forms and areas of my life where I've, I've faced different areas of abuse. And, um, and, 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 you know, if you, you, when you read the book, you'll see where I'm coming from. Um, everyone doesn't like to talk about the areas of it because it's in the, in the mindset of, of, of what the enemy wants you to believe, you know, you were, you were the person that caused it. And, and that's the most what victims feel. Well, I brought it on myself. I, I was at the wrong place at the wrong time or. Maybe I did something too. I was I was too friendly, or I, maybe I wore something wrong, or it, it, it's it's so many levels and so many layers of it. But what I learned was that I did nothing to deserve anything. No one deserves to be abused, no matter what area it is. And what I had to stop doing to become victorious in this was to stop creating the area of the victim. I did it to myself. Now I'm I'm my own predator. So I created situations. I entertain friendships. I entertain relationships. Um, even sometimes I, I went. I stepped into ministries that um, I opened myself up to be because I showed my vulnerability. So I created 
someone enabling to abuse me in whatever form or fashion. And I had to catch myself one day and realize they're not, the, the original abusers were either dead or gone, nowhere in my life anymore. <laughs> and so why am I still a victim? Why was I still creating that victim mentality? I allow myself to stay in that box of it. I allow myself to create my own, it was like, like a safe haven. So if, if this is true, then you're going to do this. So I already sabotaged it or I, or I entertained people who would sabotage me. So I kept the cycle going of abuse and didn't realize they're not doing it anymore. You know, and I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel capable or qualified, even though God kept telling me I was. You know, I look for love in people and men, even some even some of my family members, you know, and it's like I knew they couldn't love me the way I needed to be loved because I didn't even understand the love I was looking for anymore because of the, the path of, of the abuse, which some of it even led up into my adulthood. But what I've learned to do today was I went back to the little girl in me before those things happened, the dreamer. Uh, the woman that um, had uh, the, the little girl who had vision, you know, she had hopes and I had to go find her. And once I found her, I found me again. And I could begin to talk to her and say, listen, we still got, we still got a chance to make it. We still got time. I didn't, I felt I lost time. I'm right now, currently I'm 51 years old. I don't look at, thank God, but I felt I lost so many years. You know, I, I have four children. I'm a grandmother. And it was like, I felt it was too late for me. So like, you know, I started giving up on me until the little girl was like, no, you had dreams. You had hopes. I, I envisioned me writing. I envisioned me, you know, singing. I'm a songwriter. You know, I envisioned me having different businesses. You know, I, I'm a lover of marriage. I wanted to help everybody in their marriage. You know, so everything I wanted to do was still before me, but I didn't see it anymore because I didn't go back to the little girl. I found her again. I found, I found little Elisa, I call her, little Elisa. And she helped me get here. She helped me come back to like, all of that had a purpose. I may not have understood it, but the little girl never left me. Just like just say, like when the Lord says, I'm always with you. I'm where even wherever you make your bed, I'll be there with you. Wherever you go, I'm gonna be there. I didn't leave you or forsake you. She didn't leave me. I left her. Mm. I forgot about the little girl. I left her behind. So once I was able to go back and, and grab hold of her, I found out I still have a chance. I still have an opportunity to get my story out there. I'm not, I'm not the victim that I always thought I was. I was a victor then. I didn't see it because I still made it through it. Because some people never make it through. They lose their mind. They, they get strung out on drugs or so, so many. I mean, I, I've had so many friends. They have lost their lives from just the things they went through because they, they submerged themselves in a lifestyle that eventually took them out of here. You know, so I was blessed. I'm still here to tell my story. And I can still tell their story through my story. You know, they're, 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 what they went through won't die because I can tell it for them. I can, I can be that voice in the land for them, you know? So that was just, you know, basically my journey. And I'm just, I'm excited about where I can go with it. Um, 
I, it, it's, I'm still amazed. I'm still, I'm, I think I'm still shocked that I told my story. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. girl, you, you told that you released, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I think even when, before the book got released, there was a fear that came like, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe, maybe I need to reach out and go, no, I don't want to. And I had to realize I was putting myself back in the box and the little girl had to say, it's time to tell your story. It's time to put, it's, you know, I think someone had a movement, you know, about not being quiet. I was, it was someone that I think there's on Facebook and I, that just like hit me. Like I, I can't let someone muzzle my mouth. Yeah. I let someone muzzle my mouth for years because of what I, what I didn't want them to, I didn't want them to get in trouble. Mm. You know, <laughs> they, mm. I don't want them to be looked at bad. I still had a heart for someone else, even though they didn't have a heart for me. So it was like, you have to tell the story and you have to tell the realness of it and how it impacted you. I mean, even though the chapter doesn't give the full spectrum, mm-hmm. you, you know, I know I'm going to at one time maybe go in more in depth in it, but it gives you a, a nice outline of something you can relate to and make you sit down and examine yourself and go, I'm not the victim yeah. and I'm not going to stay the victim anymore. You know, so, you know, that's yeah, you my know, story. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that. No, I was listening to you saying, a lot, I think it's a lot of people, I was going to say women, but it can be men or men or women. Um, A lot of them always feel the need to protect the person that's been hurting them or abusing them more than they feel the need to protect themselves. And I, I don't, I don't understand why. um, I don't know if it said that we don't feel worthy or like you said, maybe they won't, but I'm not really sure, but I know that's like a story. I mean, that's a common yes. story that you rather yes. protect that person yeah. before you protect yourself. I mean, I, we know what I've really learned about that. I think once I understood when I was with, why it affected my life the way it did, I think you have a compassion and it's amazing to even because some some victims never have the compassion. You created a compassion for the person who abused you, because somewhere in there, someone did it to them. Yeah, and they never got to, you know, they never got to tell their story. Who would who would believe them? So then they became predators, and they and they created. Well, if it was done to me. Now I'm going to, I'm going to hurt somebody else. I'm going to do this to somebody. And I think you create a compassion for them Yeah. because you don't want to become them. Mm-hmm. You don't want to become that person. And I think for me, I think that's what happened. Mm-hmm. I created a, a compassion for them and I felt bad for them, even though I, I probably, sh- you know, as some people you shouldn't have, but I think it helped me not to become a victim to it, to the point where I became a predator. Yeah that I started becoming a, an abuser yeah. and I had to be careful even with my children that um, I had, to, I didn't lash out on them. And cause there was times that my kids would say, mommy, you were just you were always so frustrated. And you was, and I had to begin to share with them, well, this is what happened mm-hmm. with me. And it, it's not your fault, but because I suppressed some things, it came out on you and, and, and I, it wasn't intentional. So it, it made me more sensitive and more humble as my journey went along that. Cause I had to really sit down with my kids and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and, and it's some things it, even in, in, and because I didn't open, and this is a key point I wanted to say, because I didn't address my abuse, I opened doors for things to happen to my children. Mm-hmm. 
I opened a door. So it, so like the curse kept going. Yeah. It kept continuing. So then I, I think that was another thing where I had to keep reliving the, the different attacks on their life. And I was like, why is this happening? Like, because I never addressed it. I never confronted it within me and said, this really happened. And I can't act like it didn't happen. I can't brush it under the rug. You know, I, I think um, our, our, our culture of people, we was taught whatever happened in the house, stayed, stayed in the house. house. Yep. And it was brushed under the rug. And the Lord had to show me that a lot of that came from the slavery time. And that mentality of when the slave master lay with the, you know, with the daughter or with the wife or, and they had children. And, and most of the time, they sometimes they even killed the children mm-hmm. and they, no one ever knew, or they took the children out of the household and they sold them off somewhere, you know, or give, or that because of their complexion, they might've given them to one of the, the, the wives, the, 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 the slave master wives. So we were taught don't tell. No one has to know. And we kept that mentality. And I think for me, I don't want that. In, you know, I think that's something that has to be broken our generation. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be able to be broken in the, in the generation coming from behind me because you have to tell. Mm-hmm. You got to tell somebody. I tell my kids all the time, somebody touching you, if someone says something mean to you, if someone does something you don't like, tell it. Don't hold that. Don't allow someone to box you into making you feel, well, if I say anything, no one's going to believe me. I don't care. I don't care if, if they don't believe you still tell. And I think we have gotten locked into that place of, you know, like you said, uh, I'm going to protect my abuser. I'm not protecting my abuser anymore. Yeah. There's no protection, you know? So, and I think um, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said we have in our, you know, in our culture, yeah. Whatever stays in, whatever happens in this house stays in this house. And a lot of the times that's how you have these generational curses because yeah. it becomes the norm. You know, yeah. it, it, you, you don't even look at it as it being wrong anymore. And even, yeah. even, even if you see it as wrong, you've gotten okay with living in something that's dysfunctional. Yeah, you justify it. Yeah, justify yeah. yeah. And then yeah. The, the, the thing about it now, what I'm seeing now is, the push for more people, like you say, to speak up for more people to, to get therapy for more people Uh to um, just take care of themselves, you know, mentally, things like that. And even though it's becoming, people are speaking about it more, it's still like that, that um, hesitation, because in Uh our culture, you don't like, it's kind of that it's kind of at the point where I want to say something, but how far do I go? How much do I say? Because right. you know, that hesitation of, I don't want to put all my business out there, or I don't want exactly. to make this person look, look bad, but right. the importance of you speaking on it is helping those that aren't saying mm-hmm. anything and just yeah. getting it out. Because the more that you, the more that you try to flush stuff down or like to, to keep stuff bottled, it's going to come out. It's going to come out eventually. It's, it's like, it's, it's going like to come out. Yeah, it's like if you have like a uh you know a bottle of coke and you shake yeah it if up, you shake it yeah it's gonna explode it's gonna so explode it's like, yeah it has to come out you know what I mean it's, it's going like, to I'd rather, I'd rather stuff come out how I want it you know more right um, controlled than you know something triggering me yeah and I'm just you know and and, and it's out. funny you it's funny you touched on that because I ended up having I believe in it was way before the pandemic it was um I think it was in two thousand maybe 16, 
maybe six, maybe 15, six, 17, somewhere in there, I end up having a nervous breakdown. Mm. And it's funny because God is amazing in everything that he does. And he prepared me for the nervous breakdown. He told me in November that I needed to go on a fast in January. So I was like, okay, no problem. And, um, you know, because we always try to be obedient and, you know, hear the voice of God, but I didn't even realize what was coming. And the first, the second day of January, I had a nervous breakdown that lasted probably for about four days. And everything that I tried to suppress over the years, mm. that, that bottle, it exploded. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about it was I had, I had a sense of control over my nervous breakdown, which was amazing um, because I knew, I knew I was in it and I knew how to instruct others around me, what to do with me. It was like, you know, I told them, don't call anybody. I told them who they could call. I could hear people coming to the door and I said, whoever that is, if they're not who, I, who we call for, don't let them in. And if they were looking at me like I had control, it, it, it amazed me, but I knew God was in it. Mm-hmm. He was in, he was in my nervous breakdown and I cried for about two days straight. I was, I would take a break for an hour and I would cry again. I would take a break for an hour and it looked like someone beat my face into pieces, but that's how he allowed it to release mm-hmm. instead of me maybe trying to kill myself mm-hmm. or attacking others. He let it come out like that. And I would just lay on the floor and cry. I would just lay on the floor and cry. And I had a, a, girl, a good girlfriend. She was a police officer. And I had my goddaughter at the time that because she was living here. And I said, well, I need you to call her and just tell her what's going on. And she explained to her and she told her, she said, don't call the ambulance. I'm on my way. And when she walked in and she looked at my face, she said, let her walk through this. Don't call anybody because they're gonna they're gonna strap her up and they're gonna medicate her and she won't come out of this the right way. And that amazed me because I said, God, you're in this. You know, she gave her instructions. She said, if you need me, I'll come back. And that's how I came through it. And one of my uh my uh, spiritual sisters, she came and she prayed with me. My mom came and they began to surround me and just start praying for me. And and, and I walked out of it, but I didn't realize that the date that he gave me to start the fast was in the same flow of me coming out of the nervous breakdown. And I was able to start the fast and it was a 21 day fast. And I'm like, Lord, you're amazing. So even though I didn't, I didn't, I might not have realized that I was crying out in my spirit to God, but I was because I knew he, it, it was only him because it was no, I should have never walked out of, of it the way I did. I should have, I should have been in here writing on the wall with crayons and rocking back and forth. Mm -hmm. And, but he prepared me. It's like, he knew the timing of that explosion. You're getting ready to lose it. And I need you to do a fast because that's, what's going to bring you out, you know, of that place. And and I didn't want to be bothered with anybody. And I didn't want to socialize with anybody. I just wanted to isolate myself and deal with that place because I realized I suppressed it to the point where it was bubbling. Mm -hmm. It bubbled over. You know, and I'm glad that I had the experience because now I'm sensitive to someone who's dealing with a nervous breakdown or dealing with depression. And I didn't even know I was depressed. That was a funny part. I didn't even realize I was depressed. Yeah. You walk around with a mask on. Yeah. 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 Because we're so used to just carrying things on our shoulders anyways. So it's just like, 
with, with super women. Yeah, yeah. we want to be super women. And someone had to tell me one day, I need you to take your cape off mm. and I need you to hang it up, you know, mm. because you're going to die trying to fly. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. That's and true. not realizing that's what was, I, I, I think because I didn't want to deal with it. I emerged myself trying to help everybody, everybody, trying to be that person for everybody and forgot about me. Yeah. Forgot about me. So I had to start loving me again. So today I'm on a greater journey of loving me and showing up looking like I love me and not looking like I just rolled out of a bed and, you know, and it, like my kids would say, well, I would be in a hospital if I had surgery, bring my makeup. And they were like, why do you need makeup in the hospital? Because people are going to come see me. I don't, I don't need to look like I just came out of surgery. It was like, who's going to care? I said, I don't know who's coming to see me, but God was showing me, be prepared. Somebody could have walked in the hospital and wanted to give me a check. Who knows, you know, yeah, but I'm yeah. not, yeah, I'm not ready to, to greet them, but he was teaching me how to love me. Yeah. Cause I had to, I, once I took the mask off, I could see me. And then I was able to now start talking to me again and going, we're going to make it. We're going to get through this. We're going to do better towards ourselves. And we're not going to look for people to validate you. Cause that was, that's one of the biggest things of abuse. You're looking for validation. You're looking for someone to accept you or, you know, or, or say you are this person. No, I am because he says I am. And that's it. You know, I, 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 even with my, you know, even with my parents and my siblings, you know, you want their support, but in this journey I'm in right now, if they don't ever support me, I'm still Elisa, you know, and I had to stand on that firmly and not get caught up because, oh, this was not there. And because even in the journey of this book, you know, people, oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy for you. And I'm looking at folk going, no, you're not, you know, no, you're not, but it's okay. I, I'm okay with that today. I'm not wounded by it. It's actually, it's, it's actually giving me a clarity of, I don't need your validation to make it. I don't need your validation to shine. It's if I don't, if I don't validate me, no one's going to validate me better than me. You know, no one's. And if I wait for it, you never get it sometimes. And there's only a handful of people that will say, girl, I got you, you know, Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that this book is not about the people who are, or who circle. This one out there, I don't know. I will see their face. I probably will. Oh, and would be the people cheer me on. You know, those be the people. You know, I needed to hear that because sometimes you think your audience is the people that you encounter every day. They're not. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that hard. That was a hard, that was one of the hardest lessons I had to learn. They're not. And stop it. You know, get over that. Let it go. Because that's an area of abuse too. Yeah. So there's so many areas of abuse that we don't understand that that really hits our lives that we're so caught up in validation. And the people that you you want to validate you, they're actually beating on you, you know? So, or they're being quiet because they kind of want to see what you're doing and don't want to admit that they, that they watch it. Right. Or that you actually made it. Cause that's you know, some people, you know, some people listen to your dreams and visions and go, Oh yeah, girl, that's, that's popping. And that's awesome. And then when they see you actually do it, it's like crickets. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you really did. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, she was he wasn't serious. just talking. Yeah, she was serious. Yeah, he wasn't just talking. And I'm that person. Like, if you tell me you're gonna do something, I'm at the event. I got the flags. You know, I'm cheering you on. You know, even if I can't be there, I'm I'm trying to send you some money, or I'm trying to call you to say, listen, I, I can't make it, but let's pray, or you know, you're gonna be okay. You know, but he said everybody ain't you. Yeah. So that was another area of abuse I had to. Everybody's not you. And, you know, you can't expect people to love you the way you love them. Yeah. Yeah. That's key. Because mm-hmm. I have complete strangers who love on me better than, and I, I, that's, I physically, we ain't never been in the same room, but love me, support me, push me and encourage me. And I'm like, God, this is amazing. He said, I told you, that's not your audience. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not your tribe. That's something, um, you know, I've started to learn that as well. Like a lot of the times that cheer you, a lot of the times the people that cheer you on the most are the people that you never met in person, <laughs> may have crossed paths with, you know, here and there. Yeah, but those yeah. are the ones that's really, you know, rooting for you and want to see you do well. Like, th- like you say, that's your audience. Yeah. Those are going to be the ones that you connect yeah. with because yeah, expect things yeah. from people that are closer to us because you feel like that's what they should do. But a lot of the time mm-hmm. it's the people that you don't even know personally like that are the ones that's that you don't even know them and probably will never see them you know ever (laughs) meet them in person and they're like I love you and you're gonna make it and and I'm like and and sometimes I was sitting here and crying like well that's amazing Mm -hmm. because I I almost in a sense kind of given up on sisterhood because I was like well where the sisters at like where's the love but he said be what you want if you want it be her be her Mm-hmm. You're going to draw what you are. Don't, don't give up on something because you don't see it happening. Be her then. You, you be the problem solver. You know, you, you extend your hand. You, you be the olive branch and you let us, another sister know, I got you. You know, I'm, and because all of us are kind of facing that same mindset because we're like, well, where the sisters at? Like, but then when you encounter them, you're like, oh, this is my tribe. I found yeah. my tribe, you know, and it's amazing. It's amazing. It's 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 been a it's been an awesome journey. It's it, I don't know what's gonna happen next, but it's like you know, okay, Lord, just help, just give me the mindset and the humility. I want to. That's so important for me in this day of my life. I want to remain humble. I don't want. Um, I know, I know anything that you do. You know when you're writing books and you and you you know you're doing interviews and you know that fame comes and that that shine comes. I said, Lord, but keep me keep me reachable. I want to be tangible to people. I want someone to be able to walk up to me and say, I read your book. It blessed me. You know, can we talk more? Can you mentor me? You know, you know, because it's ministry. It's not just about being an author. Your sound went out there. It's about helping the people that God said that I created you to help, you know? So I want to always stay down because I'm very down to earth. I love to have fun. I love to, you know, joke around and laugh. I don't, you know, see when we get all tight and it it ain't that serious. You know, I um I, I am who I am, but at the end of the day, I like to do normal things like normal people, you know, and I want to be that normal person to someone. Some people say, oh, but you're going to be on a different platform and your name is going to be this and that. Yeah, but I still want people to walk up to me and say, can I talk to you? Yeah. And not have a pretty team block everybody because no let's talk because this is what I did it for. It's not about, you know, let's, let's go sit down and talk, you know? And I think sometimes we, we get caught up and it's easy. It's real easy. And I, that's my prayer. Lord, keep me humble. Mm-hmm. Keep me reachable. Keep me tangible. Keep me transparent. 
you know, that I'm honest and I'm real about who I am. Um, cause I, it's not about me, even though I went through the, 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 the pain of it, but God allowed me, you know, it was our journey and this is his story in my life. It's, it's not just about me, but it's what he allowed me to go through and what he brought me out of because he was with me through every area of my suffering. You know, he didn't leave me. I thought he did, but he didn't because I'm able to tell the story without crying, without being mad, you know, because sometimes people tell us, and they, and they say, I said, oh, girl, you still healing. You didn't, <laughs> you ain't got over that. And, and, and not be angry at the people and understand that they were sick and they, 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 someone did something to them and they didn't know how to reach out for help and they didn't know how to, you know, so I'm still telling their story in a different way and helping someone to let them forgive your abuser. You have to, that's, the big key. You have to forgive the person who abused you, no, no matter what level it was, because that keeps you in a place of victor, um, vic, of, of like a um, in a, a, a victim place. Mm-hmm. You never come out of being because you didn't forgive. Yeah, that was what God had to do with me. He had to show me how to forgive, and I was like, I don't want to forgive them. You know, they see what they you gonna get them, and I was one. You gonna get them, God? You know, but that was a little hurt little girl. After the, after the tragedy, she, the contaminated little girl was get them. You know, the, the little girl before her was like, calm down. This it's okay. It's, you're going to be okay. But I wasn't listening to her. I was like, get them, burn them up, you know? Mm-hmm. And once he showed me that maybe I could have abused people too and not realized it. And that, that's what shook me. It was like, oh, because of something I said, something I did didn't mean it, you know, didn't, didn't even think it was abuse. He said, so if you want someone to forgive you, you have to forgive them. You have to, you know? So I would call people and I'm sorry if I said something or I'm sorry if I, maybe like, no, it's okay. You, you didn't, you know, you didn't realize, I, I don't think you meant it. I was like, no, but it doesn't change the fact that I still need to apologize because none of my abusers ever apologized to me. They never said so, you know? So, yeah. Mm. but freedom 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 is my portion yes 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 well I thank you I thank you so much for just talking and sharing with us um your story I don't want to forget to have you um let people know how they can purchase your the book from you give them your social media information your website however people want to connect with you how can they do that well um if they want to if they want to uh, purchase through my website. It's alisastilly.com. Um, they can go on the site and, uh, and purchase the book from there. Um, for those who are not website savvy, because some of us don't, I don't care for websites. Um, you can email me at, um, alabasterboxprayerministry50 at gmail.com. And you can send me an email or contact information, um, and then I'll, you know, interact with you on how to do a payment and, you know, we can work that out. Um, I'm on Facebook as, a, on, as Elisa Steely. I also have a Facebook page, um, Alabaster Box Prayer Ministry. You can contact me through there. Um, I'm on Instagram um, at The Essence of Beauty and Wellness, LLC. You can reach me there. Um, I think that's, I think that's all my, because I don't have too many of those. I'm not, I don't, I'm not that 
social media savvy to myself. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning to be. But um, those are the main contacts um, that you can reach me at. And normally, it's out, depending on where I'm at, I may reach you back in a couple of hours or no later than a day. But um, I, I look forward to everyone that can purchase and will purchase. And Or, or if you just want to touch base with me, you can inbo inbox me, email me, and we can chat and talk and share. And I'm, 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 I'm available. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, is there anything that you want to leave the audience with before I let you go today? Um, if I could leave you with anything, um, trust your journey. Um, I was a dreamer, like Joseph. I had um, dreams, which were, I believe, were prophecies. And you know, understanding now that Joseph prophesied his future, he didn't. He didn't even understand it because he was a young lad. And I had to trust the process of the journey. I had to go through the different things, um, the different turmoils of, of the process. But at the end of it, I, I'm at my purpose. I'm at my purpose place now. I'm, I'm before the people, I'm before the audience that rejected me, that abused me, that mistreated me, um, that abused me on so many different levels. And now I'm able to sit at the table and bring you to the table and say, let's eat. Let me help feed you because there, there was something that went wrong in your life and it allowed to touch my life so that I can come back now and help you because that's growth. And that's, that's true forgiveness. That's true healing. If you can come back as the abuser and say to, um, as a victim and say to your abuser, I want to help you now. I want to help you be free. I want to help you be whole. So, I mean, if, if you can, if you can grab hold of that journey, it would make the process, it would make it would make what happened to you a little bit more to grab hold up to because then you understand I have a great future ahead of me. I'm in my future and there's still more to come. There's still more. This is, this is not the end of the road. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I'm, I'm so thankful that you're able to talk with me today. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you go, but I wish you the best. You guys, please thank check you. out the book. Please follow so her much. on her Instagram. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Please follow her on her Instagram or find her on Facebook so that you can support her and the book or just reach out, like she said, if you're interested in knowing more, learning more about abuse. If that's it, I'm going to go ahead and let you go for the day and you have yeah. a good night. So that was my interview with Elisa Stilly. Next up is my interview with Robin Sample. Good evening, Alicia. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much again for having me here. It's always a pleasure to sit and talk with you. Um, Robin Sample, I am an international bestseller, um, seven-time bestseller. Um, praise God for that. I am a social worker, counselor, advocate victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. I'm in a social media influencer, and um, I was uh, one of the co-authors in the most recent anthology published by Dr. Tamika Hall called Discovering the Purpose and My Pain. And I want to share my story with you all today as to what it meant for me to participate in the anthology and what it was like for me to discover the purpose in my pain. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So go ahead and share your story discovering the purpose in your pain. I didn't hear the question. I'm so Oh, sorry. Go ahead and share your story 
of discovering the purpose in your pain. Share my story. Yes. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Go ahead. All right. So discovering the purpose in my pain, um, when I saw the title, it immediately jumped out to me because um, I've had a lot of pain throughout my life. And I've shared on this podcast um, before in platforms about the pain that I experienced from having been a victim of violence, sexual assault, um, the pain associated with just um, having self-esteem, um, poor uh, body image, low self-confidence, um, having been rejected, abandoned, um, cast out, last chosen, just having a syndrome of just not feeling like I'm getting anywhere. So my life, um, the majority of it, especially my childhood years and um, teen and young adult years, were filled with a lot of pain. When I saw the title, I, I was trying to debate what I was going to actually talk about, which period of my life was I going to talk about? Which pain was I going to talk about? But I decided to talk about the overall pain that I, and the pain that I felt is not targeted towards any particular person. It's about the pain that I didn't recognize who God said. I, I didn't, I didn't acknowledge God for many years as a child. I, um, avoided some, it was just not for me, um, having been teased and bullied on for most of my life, I just did not want to go. So I found more comfort with being home with my grandfather, and I was allowed to do that. So by doing that, I missed the foundational years of being able to learn the, you know, the songs and the hymns that the little children sing, this little light of mine, yes, Jesus loves me, and really spending time in church around people influenced me in a spiritual and Christian way because I didn't want to be um, in that and so um, I got angry that I was treated I God for it because I heard people say that um, God loved that God everyone he created all of us in his own image i knew all of those things you know the basics i was questioning him as to if you love me why did you create me to go through the thing if me why are you not why and to my teenage years i had less understanding because it really wasn't So, so I just abandoned it all. And I just never with pain. It was just like I felt like I did not belong. I felt like nobody wanted me around. And that's hurtful, especially at a young age and a young girl, you know, needing guidance and having questions about life and, you know,
was like lost. I just felt like I was by myself. So I felt a lot of pain. So that's basically what I learned about the pain associated with not knowing who I was, not taking the time as a child to learn the foundations and how that went, you know, throughout the course of my life with not knowing who I was and not knowing which voice to listen to. I listened to what other people said and I was driven by what other people felt as opposed to hearing God's voice. Um, so it caused me a lot of pain because I had misguided anger um, to most of my life. And, and with your story, with your story, Oh, this echo. Ooh. With your story, what do you hope story, others will hear? Oh my gosh, are you able to hear me? Oh my gosh, are you able to hear me? I can. Mm-hmm. Okay, what sorry. I want, uh, okay, sorry. No, you're fine. What I want is the realization that God created each and every His image. Some are heavy, some are falls on or different things. The way God created us, but even. But what really is is our heart. Our heart. And in creating our heart, um, he is more concerned about how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about him, and how we interact in in the world around us, not about how we look. So he doesn't want us focused on, oh, my hair is not as as hers or my skin is not as light as hers or I'm not as skinny as she is or I'm not as tall as she is. He doesn't want us focused on that. He wants us to love ourselves just the way he created us because he does. He looks beyond everything that we can see with the physical eye. Then he looks at us through an eye of just a beholding eye that I love you. It doesn't matter what you look like physically. I love you. And I didn't get that message. So I know there's some, um, and primarily my audience is women. So I do speak to women a lot. And I know that there are some women here that struggle with um, self-esteem issues due to body image and lack of confidence based upon things that were said to them, based upon rejection and abandonment in relationships. Um, and, you know, not just intimate partner relationships, but familial relationships, you know, friends you know, work relationships, you know, that can be hard. It can be hard to recover from that when some feel like you're ugly or not good enough. And I, my takeaway, I just want everyone to know, regardless of what you look like, you are good enough. And the person that we should listen to is our inner voice, because our inner voice comes from God. God is mm-hmm. not going to create us to lie to ourselves. We have to change the narrative about what we say to ourselves and about ourselves. So I want people to know that regardless of what you look like, God still loves you and you should love yourself too. And not focused on, you know, what other people see when they look at you. Um, And just focused on the the fact that 
you know, when when someone mistreats you, when someone abandons you, rejects you, or makes you feel less than, it has to do with you because hurt people hurt people. Sometimes right. people hurt us because of what dealing with so it has nothing to do with us but sometimes we tend to internalize it and that's what I did I internalized everything that someone said to me I was guided completely by what other people said what other people thought um, I was the goal to get along girl I wanted everyone to like me I wanted to feel needed I wanted to feel important and I did whatever I had to do to get that feeling but it was superficial it was all temporary I would feel it for a while but it didn't last long. And I got tired of chasing that feeling of all wanting to fit in. So I always felt like that square peg trying to fit into a round hole and it just never mm -hmm. worked. And the message that I got from God in this season, and it's fun, it took me this long to actually get it. Just recently, maybe about a year or so ago, I realized by hearing, you know, listening to God's voice, and I heard him tell me, you know what, you weren't supposed to fit into those places because I have created a space for you and I'm just waiting for you to walk into it. And he mm -hmm. created a place where he wanted me to be, but I rejected it. I was scared. I was fearful. I didn't feel like I was deserving of it. I didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel worthy because I was so focused on what everybody else was going to think or what everybody else was going to say. So a lot of things I would not put my hands on because I about how other people were going to feel about it. Um, so mm -hmm. again, I want people to know that God has us and he loves us beyond, I mean, beyond anything we could imagine, regardless of what our physical attributes may tell us in the mirror. He looks beyond that. He's concerned about our heart. He's not concerned about the way we look. Right, right. And the sad right, thing about right. it is, it's, it's a narrative that we put in our own head. Our own head. It's not necessarily that, um, it's not always that someone has told us those things. Sometimes it's a narrative that we put in our own head. Absolutely. And that we, is so true. Because I've realized it too, because sometimes the things that, that I thought people were thinking about me, they weren't thinking. The right. things that I thought people felt about me, they didn't feel. I made assumptions because of the way I felt about myself because mm -hmm. I didn't love myself. I felt bad about me. So when I looked in the mirror and I saw what I thought was ugly, I assumed that everybody else saw me the same way that I saw me. Even right. if they didn't right. see that, I assumed that they saw the same thing that I saw, especially when I was rejected. I was not chosen. I wasn't like, I'm going to say you know, like the fan favorite. Um, I, I just felt like everybody must see the same thing I see and nobody wants to be with the ugly girl. You know, nobody wants the ugly girl around and that's the way I felt. And that just went, that just like was embedded in my mind. And mm -hmm. as I got older and started building a relationship with God and, you know, reading his word and understanding that he loves me in spite of what I look like, I started feeling more beautiful and not beautiful because of what was in the mirror, beautiful because he created me and I had purpose. I had I had goals. I had dreams. And he was making my dreams come true. He was bringing my goals to fruition, which mm -hmm. gave me hope that, you know what, I am worthy. I do have a purpose. I am important, but I'm trying to be important for the wrong. I don't have to be important for man. I have to be important for God because, you know, um, he wants us to put him first and he will add everything to our lives that we need when we first focus on him. 
And I mm-hmm. wasn't doing that. I was focused on man first and then him. And he was at the bottom. And now that mm-hmm. I put him at the top, I'm only focused on what he wants from me and what he says to me and about me. That's my primary focus. And I want people that, you know, to understand that it's nothing with focusing on God and silencing the voices of everyone around. You know, sometimes we have to be by ourselves so God can really talk to us and so that we can really be in position to listen. And, you know, sometimes that's a lonely ride. It's a really lonely ride when you pull away so you can have time with God. And I remember Tamika telling us um, and doing her daily devotions one morning, create a space for God, a space where Mm -hmm. you can just talk with him, where you can him, just talk with him, even if you don't have the words to say, just so you can be in that space. And he can meet you there. And I did that. And it was 30 days of courageous faith. And I took those 30 days and I went beyond 30 days. And I laid in this prayer space right here in my bedroom every single day. And I waited for God to speak. All I could do was cry. I waited for him to speak to me. And I heard his voice more clearly than I've ever heard in my life. So creating this space and allowing him to just be with me while I was just basking in his presence, couldn't utter any words even if I couldn't find the words to pray and all I had to do was cry I felt his presence and that meant everything to me so that really changed me it changed my prayer life it changed the way I saw myself and I just started feeling so much better about me because I started looking at me through his eyes and not through what everybody else thought And I look at the things that I've done, I mean, just in recent months, you know, the things that have, you know, come to fruition, the things that I prayed about, how he's made them happen. And I hear him saying, this was all waiting for you. I was just waiting for you to grab hold of it. And how he just is patiently waiting for us to trust him and just what it is that he has called us to do. But we get so afraid because we're, you know, we're, 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 we're paralyzed by fear of man is going to say. So sometimes we have to be free of people. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that means you have to be set apart. You have Mm -hmm. to sometimes and just focus even if away from you and, you know, people, you know, don't realize, you know, your, your separation, you know, you have to still do that because had I not separated and started listening to God, I wouldn't be doing all that I'm doing now. I would still be trying to be a crowd follower. And I can't be a crowd follower. I want to be a crowd leader. I don't want to be a crowd follower. That was an exhausting existence for me to follow people wherever they went because I was never in control. And I was always tired, always exhausted. But now the sleep that I get now is quality sleep because I sleep with peace. I don't sleep with anxious that you know being anxious to wake up to figure out who's doing what and can I get into this person's um, plan this person's idea can I hang out with that person is this person going to call me is that person going to text me where are they going can I you know jump on that no it's basically now wake up and do what God says do first and I feel so much better because I was exhausted emotionally physically mentally spiritually psychologically I was just exhausted trying to just be a crowd pleaser and a crowd chaser and I can't do that anymore and I want people to hear loud and clear you don't have to chase the crowd if you and a leader the crowd will chase you and God will yeah. give you the direction and where you go the crowd is going to want to follow you so I want to be a crowd leader I don't want to be a crowd chaser anymore. 
Yeah, I like yeah, that. I like that. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where you have to be, you definitely have to be okay with going through something and dealing with something without having the, the applause or approval of men because that's where you're going to get your most elevation when you're able to walk alone and like you say, listen to God. And see where he wants to take you because really, really? people people and people can be a lot of noise. They can be they can sabotage. So you definitely have to be at a place where you're you're okay with walking alone. It might be uncomfortable for a moment, but once you're in it, what he has for you, I think it it gives you a bit of comfort that okay, even though technically I'm alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You know what I mean? Right. And that is so true. And we forget that. We don't get that message because we look at being alone in the physical and yeah. Yeah. on being, you know, surrounded in the spiritual because God goes everywhere we go. Matter of fact, he goes before we go. You know, right. he pays for it. So he makes sure that every place he sends us, he's already gone there. He makes sure that it's safe. He makes that we're going to be okay wherever he sends us. And I'm not saying that dangers aren't on our way, that tests and trials and tribulations aren't going to, you know, meet us alone because they will. But he provides warning before destruction. So he right. never creates a journey for us. He never creates a path for us that he doesn't already know that there's going to be dangers to come along the way. But what he does is he equips us with all the tools that we need in order to face those mountains, those trials, those those tests, all of that. He gives us every single thing we need so that when those times come up, we know what we can do. And not saying that we won't sometimes feel a little anxiety, a little fearful. He expects that. He expects that. But he also expects to trust him, to have faith and utilize the tools and the resources that he gives us because everything we have is really already in us. And that's one of the things that I realized as I got older I'm the same person. I'm just adult size now. I'm the same person. I'm the same little girl. I might not be the same, age. I might not be the same size, but I'm the same little girl. The same heart, the same mind, and body. Everything about me is just adult size now. And I'm like, I'm the same person. Everything that he wanted me to have and everything he knew I needed was already instilled in me because he gave it to me before I even my mother's womb. He with everything. I I just needed those things. I those things, and I didn't do that. I did not do that because I was so focused on what the mirror said and what the mirror showed me and what I thought everybody else was thinking. And there were some mean people along the way that called me names and really mean spirited. But everybody wasn't like that. But I assumed that everybody felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Me getting caught in that looking for love trying to be accepted by everybody. I found myself in some compromising situations because I was trying to be liked. I was trying to be loved. I wanted to be chosen. So I ended up being in some very very bad situations, some dangerous situations, some that, you know, I probably um, should not have gotten out of because I was angry with God for so long. And that's the my story that I was angry with him for 31 years and in spite of my anger he still loved me enough to save me 
He loved me enough to keep me. I was raped, yes. I was beaten, yes. I was kicked, yes. I was spit on, yes. I was urinated on, yes. I was thrown from a moving vehicle, yes. A lot of done to me. A lot of heinous things were done to me. But through it all, he was there with me because had he not been there with me, then I wouldn't be here now. And that's proof positive for me that through every single test and trial, he was with me. I never alone. Even when I felt like I was walking alone, I did not walk alone ever, ever did I walk alone. And I know there were times and I kicked and I screamed and I'm like, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. Look at all that I'm going through. I'm dealing with this by myself. I was not. He was right there and he had been armed when I finally, finally gave and chose a relationship with him and I surrendered everything to him. He was right there waiting for me. That mm. is a beautiful oh. type of love. That is a wonderful yeah time type of love to be angry with someone for 31 years and then when you need them still right there for you you can't get that kind of love from man yeah. you better so love that you can be angry with someone and blame them for everything that happened in your life for 31 long and then when you really have they turn around and say, come to me, I have you. And they embrace you and they pick you up and they carry you to the next level and the next level and the next level. That's real love. That is real love. I, thought I really thought that I knew what love was. I never knew what it was until now. Mm. I thought that I was in the times that I saw you all thought that I knew it the meaning of love how could I possibly have known love when I didn't need God and I didn't love myself there's mm -hmm. no way humanly possible that you can love anyone else before and unless you love God and love yourself so what I might have been some deep infatuation but I don't think that I've ever ever loved before I really mm -hmm. honestly don't think yes. I have it's, it's humanly impossible it's spiritually impossible because the words you have to love God first and then love yourself. And I didn't. I love myself. It took me through all of that pain because he had to let me see what it looked like and what it felt like. So when love really comes along, I would definitely know what it's going to feel like and what it's going to look like because it'll be unlike anything I've ever felt before. And I feel like, I feel like God had to take me through all that and now he's cleaned me up and he's made me ready. He's made me ready to receive what it is he has for me. And I'm just grateful, <clears throat> excuse me, place name where I can recognize that because at one time I didn't want to admit that. And now, you know, spending time with him, reading his word and understanding the purpose and pain that I had to go through those things that I had to experience the things that I did because God will allow us to make our own choices. He gives us free will. That's how much he loves us. He gave me free will to believe who and what I wanted to believe. And I believe people. And I believe what I said to myself based upon what other people said to me. He allowed me to do that. But he knew I was making the wrong choice, but he still never gave up on me. But mm -hmm. he allowed me to choose for myself so I could learn. And because I learned all the things, all the lessons, the hard lessons that I learned, you know, I can, I can give that to someone else. 
I can pay it forward and, you know, tell people that, you know, you have to focus on what God says. You have to wait for his voice and believe what he says about you. Even if nothing else around you gives you the reason to believe that you should believe what God says, you have to believe him anyway. Because nothing and nobody is going to love you and take care of you like God is. And I feel that now I am more happy in my life than I've ever been because I discovered purpose in my pain. And I, I feel like I've made it to the other side through because I'm telling you, <laughs> I've been through the fire. But God said, you know what? The fire was necessary. When the smoke settled and the dust cleared, I realized that the fire was necessary. The mm-hmm. fire was necessary and for me to do that. You know, it took place where I saw myself in dangerous situations. And as I look back on it, and I can envision myself being in those dangerous situations, I can see God. I couldn't see that. I can look back on every situation, and I can see how he was there. Even when I was being beaten and punched and raped, he was there. Because I could have, I could with all kinds of, you know, long-lasting problems. And thank God I don't look like what I've been through because you can't look at me and tell what I've gone through. And Mm -hmm. that is right there. That's gift enough that he had me come out on the other side and look like I look today because you can't look at me and tell. And that that alone I'm grateful for. And I don't think that I'm physically gorgeous or stunning or anything like that. I don't feel like I'm ugly, but I don't feel like I'm like... Well, look at me. I'm so gorgeous. You know, it's not like that. I'm saying, look at me. Look at look at how I physically am able to get out of my own bed. I'm able to walk. I'm able to talk. I'm able to work. I'm able to do all the things that God has called me to do. And I can do that on my own accord with his will because he said he was there. Because I could have ended up with all kinds of disabilities. I could have ended up not being able to walk. I could have ended up losing my voice. I could have lost so much physically that I wouldn't be able to take care of myself. I could have died. Those people wanted me dead. But look at me. You can't look at me and see. When I tell people that I've been in those type of heinous situations, some some of the people don't even believe me. And I'm like, yeah, that's what happened to me. But look how God for me. And now it's completely different. And even the little I still see that little girl when when I stare really hard because everybody else well not everybody let me take that back so many people she was ugly and because other people thought I treated her ugly I handled myself I mishandled myself because of what other people did and how they mishandled me so instead of me being a crowd a, a crowd leader, I was a crowd follower and other people mishandled me and I mishandled myself and that's we can never do that. We can't treat ourselves the way people just when treat us kindly. And instead of me taking up for the little girl inside of me, beat down and beat up on that little girl just like everybody else. Not take care of her. Little girl, yeah, I wouldn't anybody else. Little girl inside of me. She's protected mm-hmm. and be safe. Just like I protect. She can, she can, she can, she can, she can. 
to take care of her. And I refuse to let any the message voice deserves to be heard and you respect, you deserve love because that little girl is going to grow up to be a queen. And if you can remember, my picture has a crown. I have a crown in my hand. And I mm-hmm. chose to stand the way I did because I feel like I'm a queen. I mm-hmm. feel queenly mm-hmm. in everything that I do. Everything I do, I feel like a queen. And it has nothing to do with feeling like I'm arrogant or better than anyone because I'm not. But I just feel like now I am worthy. I am worthy of everything that God has for me. And I walk in that and I walk in it proudly. And that's what makes me a queen because I've accepted that I've accepted that I'm a queen from God. I've accepted mm-hmm. that I walk in it proudly. To purchase my books, um, you can visit me on my website, robinsample.com, just my first and last name.com. My books are listed on there, and a couple of my foot care products are listed on there, too. My yeah. other website is Journey by Robin, and Journey is with an I, J-O-U-R-N-E-I by Robin.com. That is where all of my foot care products are listed, and my foot care product line was launched because of my journey from victim to survivor. So I take care of the feet that have taken care of me. And I want to give everyone else an opportunity to take care of the feet that have taken care of you. So that's where my foot care products can be. My apologies for the technical difficulties in that episode. I am not sure what was up with the connection that day, but it was not filling me. So I had to cut off the ending because I was sounding like an echo. But her social media handles are I am Robin M. Sample on Instagram. And you can follow, find her on Facebook at Robin M. Sample. You can also check out some more episodes that she has in the Book of Alicia podcast to find out what other books and projects she has available, y'all. But again, my apologies for the technical difficulties, but I'm glad that you were able to get the interview for both Robin and Elisa. Be blessed, y'all. So that concludes the episode on Discovering the Purpose in My Pain, Conversations with Women of Purpose series. Please, please, please make sure you connect with the ladies who have joined us today via their social media handles and websites they have provided to you. Don't forget to follow me at The Book of Alicia as well as like my Facebook page, The Book of Alicia. You can also check out my blog at www.aliciashavon.com. That's www.aleshashevon.com where you're able to get a glimpse of my life and thoughts as well as purchase books that I have available and other merchandise. Until next time, y'all, I'm out. Be blessed.